Hello, I'm Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I am not a fan. Thank you for joining us. Each week, I force Nick to listen to me tell him a story of a true crime. Welcome to Muriel's Murders. This week, we cap off our three-part Humboldt County series with an interview. You guys, we're interviewing someone who lived loved and started a family on murder mountain mm-hmm. right during a lot of the time that the last couple of episodes have taken taken place yes this is the uh the friend that we, <laughs> we know could not get through the documentary <laughs> and knew yeah. a lot of the people that were being interviewed so uh, yes i'm so excited that we get to talk with our friend and I don't know. Share this with you. Please enjoy this. And also, you know, it's the end of the year. We're loving each other. I'm not nitpicking my wife, but this has actually been a four-part series. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so our investigative episode is up on our Patreon. So you can go uh, listen to what it was like for the two of us and our cat to hang out in Humboldt County on our way up to see our family in Seattle. That's right. We do have a fourth episode up on the Patreon right now. This is going to be a road trip episode slash Nick and Muriel are shot too shy to talk to people, but are going to walk around and see what's up and uh, visit different spots in Humboldt. And I don't know. I I checked out of and probably just eat hamburgers at bars. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also, and to be fair, we are recording this intro now before we've recorded that episode. So unless we don't survive, then that episode will never, never happen. Yeah, You know right. what I mean? Why so, would you say that? <laughs> I just need the listeners to know that we're living on the edge, okay? okay? We're flirting with disaster. We're bringing them the cutting edge true crime podcast that they never <laughs> knew they wanted. They wow. thought they wanted, you know, fancy people from NPR and yeah. Wondery and whatever the other one is that gets has all the money and the resources and clout, you know? Right. But this is salt of the earth DIY maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Happy holidays, folks. <laughs> and, all right. We love you. We love you. And, uh, you know, here we go. Enjoy the interview. Right, man. I'm not going to um, like, mm-hmm. I won't name any names, but you know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tell hey, a crazy story. Yeah, well, you know, if, you, if a name <laughs> slips out of your mouth, man, and you want it on the record, I'm going to let it fly, you know? All right, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so you grew up in Seattle. Yep. And then eventually you moved down to Humboldt County. Yep, 2006. 2006. Why did you move to Humboldt County? That's kind of a weird story. Like, there is a massage school that is in very rural Northern California. Uh It's about an hour up like a dirt road, basically from Garberville, which is a small rinky dink town. I somehow found this massage school at a time when I was really interested in studying massage. Yeah. And thought that that would be cool to kind of be immersed in it. And it was like a uh, they serve vegetarian diets. It was like a whole kind of lifestyle change that I was kind of looking to shake it up, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this sounded pretty awesome. I ended up going there in 2006 to study massage. 
that was my my goal was to <laughs> yeah. go there and study massage. So, but you were okay. So you're a Seattle kid, and you're like, man, I'm trying to go learn how to make people feel good in the yeah. woods with a bunch of hippies. Yeah, I want to go to the country too. I want to like get uh -huh. out of the city for a bit. You know, uh -huh. you were smoking weed in Seattle, if I remember correctly. Yep, you remember correctly. Yeah, <laughs> it was and was for sure. And was that element of Humboldt County a pull for you? Well, it wasn't a d deterrent for sure you know <laughs> yeah i did like that it was that it was that it was weed friendly you know uh -huh. but i had no idea the scope of it when i when i first went to school there so when you, you know, showed up you were like oh they smoke weed here and it's fine and that's yeah. that's what you thought it was but but literally this it was a 250 acre parcel that the school was on and in every single direction around it 360 degrees it was weed farm weed farm weed farm i mean it's that, yeah. that's the area where the weed farms are at you know that's that, when they say emerald triangle that is one of the major spots that they're referring to that's hilarious just to not really get it and to show yeah. up day one of class and you like go from yeah whatever your first course to your second you're just like damn i am surrounded by it yeah but it's but it was it was real discreet you know nobody had their mm. stuff near the road so if you're just on the main road you don't really realize what was up you know uh-huh nowadays it, like people have greenhouses out in the open it's all legal it's all legit and nobody really cares back then i mean the cops were hard like you didn't want anything anybody to see anything all so those in, farmers mm -hmm. would like lie to their neighbors saying, no, I don't do that. No, I, I'm a construction guy. You guys are crazy. You know, <laughs> every single one of them would lie to each other. You know, it's <laughs> funny. Hilarious. So in 2006, there's medical marijuana is happening, right? Yep. They were growing it illegally to sell to medical marijuana facilities and just yep. on the black market. Is that what was happening? Yeah. Yeah. So the medical thing. You could have 99 plants if you had a prescription, mm -hmm. but there was no rule that said that it was only one prescription per parcel. So cats were having like a big <laughs> manila folder full of people that said, yeah, you can grow my 99. You can grow my 99, uh -huh. you know, so so it got it got pretty big, pretty quick, you know, once because before they were hiding it in the trees. I mean, I've seen gardens that, you know, they'd have to climb up into the trees and water their plants. Uh -huh. And and that way they were hidden. You know, if the if the helicopters would fly, they couldn't see them in the trees. Right. You know. So did you stick with uh, massage school, or did you get out and get into the Man. game fast? Yeah, yeah. So about half. It was a nine month training. You know, it was uh -huh. a pretty long uh, massage course. Uh, probably about halfway through it, I kind of realized I started making friends in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, and and so friends would like hire me to come help them, you know, bury a water line or come help them, you know, weed whack around their to their place or whatever. And then I sort of got an idea of like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. You know, why? What, brought um, it to, what, what was exciting about it? You know, I'm a big fan of the plant. So just the beauty of seeing these like uh -huh. decked out properties with like these amazing gardens that were just like beautiful big ganja plants and yeah. the lifestyle of just kind of like you know riding your quad around and you know they were busy you know they they work hard for sure uh -huh. it's not easy you know but it was it was on your own pace it was you make your own schedule you know so i really liked that that part of it and i'm a hard worker so it wasn't like i was looking for like something to like 
an easy way to make a buck, you know, yeah. some people do go up there to do that kind of game the system. They'll hear, Oh, there's a lot of money in weed. You know, I'm going to go up and, and become rich right away. It's not like that, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of like hardworking dudes, but also, yeah, if they want to leave town for a couple of days, they can totally do that at any time, you know? Right. So you got that kind of country experience you were looking for. Yep. Yeah, so- totally. Uh, what those first friends you made, what kind of people were they? I mean, when I was still at the school, I did just hourly work with random neighbors. You know, Mm -hmm. my first real job after I finished school, instead of going into massage, I moved probably, I don't know, a half mile down the road from the school. And I worked for this older couple that's like kind of on the surface. To me, they seem like a real chill, older couple, like hippie couple, you know? Uh-huh. And they had a beautiful property, uh, you know, a lot of infrastructures all set up, you know. And so, yeah, that's where I stay. I worked there for for three years. Golly. For the first two years, it was cool. The, the third year kind of, you know, I don't know, some stuff happened. I wasn't a huge fan of like how they treated people, not even particularly me, but I just uh-huh. saw how they were treating other people, friends of mine, you know, people that had, had come up to to help us work and I just didn't really vibe with them that much. So they were rich too. They, they were, they were doing it. They were pretend like that's, that was kind of the big falling out is I felt like they were phony. Like they weren't uh-huh. really this like true, true to earth, like hippy dippy, you know, uh-huh. they were business people that like were pretty cold blooded business people in, uh-huh. in a sense too, you know, and there, and there's some of that up there. Um, so, you know, that didn't just didn't really vibe with me anymore. So, so I went and, and work for for somebody else after that but we had some good times for sure you know they Uh had like an upper property and a lower property and they stayed on the lower property and i stayed on the upper property you know 40 acres and 40 acres and then we had four or five gardens between the two properties that i kind of managed you know i had my main garden and then there was a couple other employees and i was kind of like the manager so i'd check in on them and help them you know whatever he was he was old school though like he wanted to hide everything kind of still you know mm-hmm. and i was kind of like you know i i made friends in the neighborhood and had been to other properties and seen other stuff like you know people nobody's hiding anything anymore you uh-huh. know mm-hmm. we got to just get out there and do it you know but he had this method called tie down which i mean it wasn't just his method but it was an old school method and instead of planting a plant straight up and down, you lay it on its side and, you know, you plant it laying on it on its side mm-hmm. and then you put chicken wire underneath it and then strap it down to the chicken wire. So the, so the plant grows sideways instead of going straight up uh-huh. and that way you can hide it. You can like put a little, like build a little greenhouses over it. Or, Got you. I mean, we would even go so far as to like putting fake plastic flowers on bamboo sticks <laughs> throughout the weed plant just from, yeah. from the air it looks like something different you know right yeah that's hilarious uh yeah but it's like that all adds up into like way more labor than you mm. really need to be out here in the blazing hot sun you know right right eventually i got involved in this this poker game on the mountain with uh, just all weed growers at the mm-hmm. poker game and then i really like opened my eyes to like all the different ways of doing it, you know, cause mm-hmm. I didn't have any experience from Seattle, like doing anything like this, you know? Right. 
So the first property I worked on, I sort of figured like, this is how everybody does it, you know? And then once I started playing poker and met all these new friends and was like, nobody does it like this. They uh -huh. all do it like differently. You know, I kind of take that information back to the old dude and he's just like, nah, this is how we do it kind of yeah, thing, yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. is like, all right, it's cool. It's your properties. You make the rules, you know, but there was a lot of extra steps that he added in there, you <laughs> yeah. know, that were not necessary. You know, that turned out to just be more hours of labor for me doing stuff that we really didn't need to be doing, you know. So when you're out there playing poker with these guys, what kind of characters are you coming across? What's the vibe? What's the culture of the people like? Free thinkers, you know. Uh -huh. I wouldn't say like it, it's weird. I feel like with the ganja, these are rednecks that like know about like acupuncture and like you know what i'm saying they like <laughs> yeah, yeah, get yeah. massages re regularly and uh -huh. you know and 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 smoke you know smoke a bunch of wheat you know <laughs> yeah yeah but they do have that like you know that like you know most of them had guns for sure you know what i mean like they're almost like they're pirates you know what i mean <laughs> like uh -huh. i think every property there is almost like its own sovereign nation Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. whoever owns the property is like kind of in a way like a dictator or like a president. You know what I mean? Yeah, like uh -huh. they make the rules on this little like piece, you know, mm -hmm. and those rules are all across the board. You know, there's definitely like, yeah, some some like real like hippie like style. But then there's also the real hardcore drinking rednecky kind of style, you know, so. Mm -hmm. It was all across the board. And at that time, everybody was was doing well. You know, the, the price of weed was still high enough because of the black market, but it was also OK to kind of grow it out in the open. You know, we'd never really had that before, because before I got there, the price of weed was a little bit higher, but it was way more intense in, in terms of the law enforcement. Like people were really getting busted and get, and hiding, you know, like I said, in the trees and all that yeah um so it was kind of this window of like law enforcement was kind of like ah okay you guys are all doing it whatever you know and it was still so regulated and cracked down throughout the country that i mean people were getting pounds to new york for four thousand bucks or pounds to atlanta for four thousand bucks you know mm -hmm. and these are guys that were growing a thousand pounds like pretty routinely Damn. And some of the guys were growing like multiple thousand pound gardens, you know? Right. Was there a big separation of church and state between the people actually growing it and the actual like moving of the weight? There was definitely buyers that would come in from out of town, but the growers were the ones that had those connections generally. Mm -hmm. So, and those growers probably, you know, I was never the guy that was bringing in the, the big buyer, you know? Uh huh. But the guys who were, friends of mine would say hey this guy's coming you know he wants to buy 500 pounds i only have 400 pounds you know throw some pounds in and i'll sell them for you you know yeah and it's like great you know that's how i move most of my weed i never left the mountain i was just like a friend at a poker game says hey i got a guy coming on friday like you know bring your pounds to my house on thursday yeah and it's like sweet you know uh, those guys probably made the most money because they were taking a hundred bucks per pound that they would sell for their friends. And I'm gladly paying that, you know, uh, -huh. uh to not have to leave the hill and not have to worry about it and just get to get, you know, it was a win-win, but yeah, out of the collective group of growers on the hill, there's a few that are wheeler, de wheeler dealer types, you know, 
uh-huh. those entrepreneurial, like, you know, those were the ones that would generally like bring up the buyers and then mm-hmm. they would pull everyone's weed together. Got you. So that's uh, like major cr- uh, cash transactions happening. Oh yeah. yeah was yeah, there, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. what was the sense of danger involved in that? <clears throat> um, you know, it was, it's interesting because it definitely happens, you know, like, like ripoffs definitely happen and, and people did get ripped off occasionally, but generally, I mean, they say like 99% of ripoffs is a disgruntled former employee coming back to get mm. what they think they deserve, you know, and they know where the shit's at. They know where right. you like to put your own trim stuff and they know whatever. They know your schedule. They know when you're going to harvest. So they'll show up a day before whatever. Mm-hmm. When it came to like, and again, I wasn't organizing, you know, big, huge deals, but it was pretty legit business. You know, it was, these, these people were coming up with bags of money, you know, right. and in my experience, they felt pretty safe. And in our experience, strapped, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe not like on them, but if you're going to somebody's property with $300,000 in cash, you should probably know they probably will, you know, might have firearms on the premises. And that's <laughs> not to say they're going to use them, but, you know, yeah, if shit right. goes down, like, yeah, right. they're not going to just lay over probably and take it either, you know? And one thing I loved about that area is that sense of community it sounds kind of cliche but people really did have each other's backs yeah and there was a lot of times where like something shady like that did happen the word goes out yo there's a black truck that just left so-and-so's property you know just ripped them off you know and people would come out and like in particular there's spots on the road where you can park a, a truck across the road and there's like trees on both sides yeah, and you can't pass, you know. Yeah, and people would like shut down the road and make everyone come through and be like, "Who are you? Who do you know? Uh-huh. Where you know?" And I felt lucky to be in a in what I consider a, a ver- what I considered a very safe neighborhood. Uh huh. But you go a little further out, and it gets even more wild westy. And then you kind of get into like I don't know more hard drugs, you know, like more tweakers and stuff. And then you uh-huh. know anything's possible, you know, when you get when you get out there. So was meth, was meth a significant element of the uh, wildness at the time? Not where I was at. No, uh-huh. no, but in but those, like, in the, in the fringes or whatever, but I heard stories of like, you uh-huh. go another hour. Cause we were an hour from town, which is far, you know, it's, uh-huh. that's far to go to the grocery stores an hour, but there was houses that were an hour past us. Uh-huh. And that's where I heard some crazy stories about like it being even more like, kind of yeah more more meth i guess would be like what stories i mean just just crazy just crazy stories of people that have been out there forever that Mm -hmm. like are not healthy individuals and just kind of run their own little corner of the the world but you know i don't know just uh yeah there's certain areas i would say that the meth is more prevalent but where I was at, like, there was a bunch of Molly around. So on parties mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, people were definitely not, like, sober by any stretch, you know. Yeah. But I, I didn't see any, like, day-to-day, like, methy type people, really, you know. Did you find yourself in danger often or ever, really? I mean, so I had one friend. So I take that back. I had one friend who was 
pretty into the drugs a little bit. And <laughs> the answer is probably no, not really. Uh -huh. I, I never felt like, I mean, unless I was putting myself in danger, like driving my quad drunk or something stupid like that, you yeah, know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure, right. You know, or driving my quad home from poker high on acid. <laughs> uh, you know, probably not the smartest thing to do. <laughs> One time I was with a buddy and he actually wanted to get some Molly from, he wanted to get some Molly. Yeah. And this guy had it. We go down to this guy's house. He's a friend of ours. Totally cool. He's happy to see us. He has, he had this, he had this crazy, I mean, this dude was, he was a wild one and he would go down to Mexico and live like half the year. Mm-hmm. And he met this Mexican prostitute woman that he eventually married and he brought her up to the farm mm -hmm. and she didn't like it and she didn't like it there. And she was, I mean, she was wild, bro. Yeah. And he was, and he was wild too. Yeah. And, and they would fight and like just screaming at each other, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, it was wild, dude. And he was like, I don't know how to, I, I feel like maybe she thought he had a bunch of money that he was holding out on her mm -hmm. and he really didn't. And uh, so we're trying to buy this Molly from him, but it's in the house and she's on the front, she's on the front, like in the front door, just screaming at him. Yeah. And he's like, man, I'd help you guys out, but I, I can't really go in there right <laughs> now. And then this other dude, this friend of his was like, bro, He's like, he had a gun on him. He was like, let's just dig a hole and just be done with it right now. And I was like, whoa, man. I was <laughs> oh, like, I'm damn. out of here, bro. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I am out of here. They didn't do it. And yeah. I know because they ended up, she ended up getting deported because she attacked a cop when they were in town at a bar and the cops came for some reason and she ended up like attacking the cop and getting sent back to Mexico. Yeah. So I know they didn't do what, what he was suggesting they do, but I was like, bro you're crazy right you know god damn but, so there are some famous murders and crimes that happen in Humboldt. Uh, yeah specifically with like the netflix documentary uh, as someone who lived there do you want to go on record and comment on any of that i didn't watch the whole documentary i think mm -hmm. i was telling you before we started recording but uh i know i know a couple of the people who are in it i just I don't know. I just didn't really like them that much. And I just didn't really like the vibe of, of the whole thing. But I will say the missing persons thing is real. You know, like mm -hmm. people do kind of disappear there. And I feel like a percentage of them might just be off the grid and they're just out there loving life. You yeah. know, that's possible. But I've never obviously like seen that or, or even like heard like, oh, yeah, that person disappeared. You know where you know what that means. But, you know. I mean, it's out there, bro, you know, yeah. so I'm sure like if people, you know, try to to steal, you know, they definitely take that shit real serious. So, you know, yeah. and people do have heavy machinery, so it's not hard to just dig a big hole, you know, so right, like I mean, that dude suggested that night. Yeah, it's it's it's, you know, it's in the vernacular. So that didn't just come from nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I, I felt like totally safe up there. Like I said, if, uh -huh. you know, if anything happened and you call your neighbors, everybody's swarming on whoever just, you know, unless they got you tied up and you can't reach your phone or whatever. 
Yeah. It's real hard to just get off the mountain. You know, you got to make it a whole hour just to get to town. You know what I mean? Right. And right. it's a, it's a like narrow road in points and it can be blocked, you know, and you got, then you got nowhere to go. You did get arrested, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? What, what, what was the deal? What were your charges? Felony intent to distribute and felony uh, cultivation, which they they dropped the cultivation one, which I wanted to keep that one because I I don't mind that one, you know. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound as bad, I should say, you know, at least on uh -huh. paper. I lived in Humboldt County for nine years, and in my tenth year, I moved to Mendocino County. But I was like a stone's throw across the border, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying, from Humboldt, and it felt the same to me i didn't think anything of that move basically what happened is neighbor three houses above me on the hill had essentially bulldozed the top of the mountain and put rows of greenhouses that mm -hmm. you could probably see from space almost you know yeah uh, like a bunch of them big ones and for whatever reason they decided to to bust him uh mendocino did mendocino sheriff's office and came up with the drug task force. And after they busted him, they basically went door to door down the hill, you know, because to use their resources, you know, because it cost them quite a bit of money. They had a helicopter out there. You know, they had probably, I don't know, 10, 15 cops, you know, the, the Mendocino drug task force, they called themselves. Um, right. Yeah, they, they just came, they came right down the driveway and we were, in the middle of harvesting, which is like the worst possible time, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're just I was literally, <laughs> I was literally in the dry room. I had two workers working for me at the, at that that day. Yeah. Uh, one guy was down in the garden cutting plants down, and one guy was driving my rhino back and forth, bringing me the, and I was in the in the dry room hanging them. And then my worker comes back and he said, the cops are here. And I'm like, what? You know, it was like, yeah, it's so foreign to me to even be like, I mean, I'm like hanging up. Like, I mean, literally the, the best looking weed I've ever grown, you know, it's yeah. like smelling. So everything's great. You know, it just felt totally legal, <clears throat> totally legal. I mean, if you listen to the radio down there, every single advertisement is like for like a grow shop or uh -huh. like, you know, trim scene solutions, you know, and like, <laughs> right, just, right. I mean, it was, you know, and so it was just like out of my, I was like, what, you know, and my worker says, what do I do? And I said, go to the woods, you know, and so he, he bolted and they were going to chase him. They weren't there to chase him, you know? Yeah. But I walked down there cause I had my wife who was seven months pregnant Yeah. and we already had, and we had a one-year-old at the time. So I felt like I had to like, I don't know. I felt I, I felt weird about just running into the woods myself too, you know. Right, you wanted to take responsibility for it. I mean, not really, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. So, um, and uh, but I but I did basically because yeah. yeah, you know they they it wasn't my property. I wasn't the the landowner. You know, basically they were like, "Tell us whose this is," and I just like you know, right to remain silent. And, yeah. uh, and so they just charged me with it. And I got a lawyer who was like, oh yeah, no, we're, we're going to beat this, you know, no problem. And, and, and they took, I had 
I just sold some weed like the day before. So I had like 60 grand in cash under my bed in this little lock box, you know, yeah. we were about to start trimming. So I, you know, I had some money out for some trimmers or whatever. Right. And, and so they took that. So the lawyer was like, Oh, we're going to get your money back. We're going to get you everything dropped, you know, this, that, whoop, whoop. and man, it just fell flat, man. He, he, the DA for Mendocino just, he, you know, it was so unheard of at that time that they would come through, you know, it used to be, that was, that was a normal thing that happened, you know, especially around harvest time. Cause, uh-huh. cause they all know when harvest time is, you know, the cops, it was tense. It was very high, <clears throat> high security around harvest. You know, you never know the mess up part really for me, uh, is that I should have been called. And a lot of my neighbors were called like, yo, they're on their way. Like, because the caravan, mm-hmm. when it leaves town, it's being watched, right? You can't, you can't bring 15 cops up the hill and not, and right. everybody sees it, you know? Mm, and yeah. they're calling everybody, yo, they're coming, they're coming. So people leave, people go to town, you know? Uh-huh. If you want to, if you want, if you guys want to get out there in the fields and cut the plants down, go ahead, you know, but I'm not going to be here, you know? Uh huh. It was just an unfortunate thing. It happened real quick, but literally people forgot that I lived out there because I had just moved to this mm. new area. They were used to me living over here and they yeah. forgot that like, and my man, my, my friend who was the fire, the volunteer fire chief at the time was like, oh man, I forgot you lived out there. I would have <laughs> totally called you. It's like, nah, <laughs> dude, man. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> That's hilarious. The stoner volunteer fire chief just be like, totally. bro, my bad, totally. dog. <laughs> like, oh, you moved. Oh, it's right. Dang, you know. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, I was there. And, and again, unfortunately, you know, my 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 pregnant wife was there with my with my one year old, you know. Yeah. And so I just walked down there and basically, you know, I mean, I even asked him, are you guys in the right place? Like what? what's going on here you know yeah because because usually the cops would only come if there were if they were called you know mm-hmm. if there's a domestic violence or something they'll come for that you know yeah. if, if there's some kind of something like that they'll show up for sure you know but not just out of the blue like totally peaceful house we weren't super big you know we were kind of like on the bigger side of the medium people you know what i mean we were, but we weren't in the big guys by any stretch you and know? at this point did you Sorry, did you own that? Were no, I didn't own it. Oh, so, okay. so after I worked for the for the the older couple, I got a job with this dude who's a younger dude, like more new school, and a, and a baller. Like he had like mm-hmm. thousands of acres, you know, and and mm-hmm. multiple farms that you know that he was working. And I love that piece that I worked on for him. But then he had he was going through a divorce, and he ended up selling that property. The mm-hmm. guy who bought it was basically like, you know, putting my wife and I out on the streets for, you know, because that was our house and he's buying it, whatever. He felt bad. And he said, yo, I got this other property. You guys can go check it out and live there if you want. And it was a pretty decent house, actually a better house mm-hmm. than where we were living, you know? And so, and it was, it was cool. And, and he was like, you know, let's work it and, and we'll do a 50, 50, meaning like we'll split everything 50, 50, you know? Mm-hmm. like he would put up all the money for to like get everything started all the soil all the amendments all the plants you know and then at the end we would split that cost in half and then split all the profit in half too you know 
mm-hmm. which is a really, it's a really good deal from my standpoint, just, you know, the 50, 50 deal is, is great, you know, and right, he was right. hands off, just let me do my thing. And then, but he was putting the bill for, you know, I mean, it's, it's not cheap to like, you know, grow a big garden. You need, yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff. You need water, you need amendments, you need soil, you need p- good plants, you know? And that's just the start. And then just like the labor and all that, you know, it's like, yeah. it's quite an endeavor, you know? And then when you get to the end, you have all this weed, but you have to trim it. So you have to pay people to trim it. And, you know, that can be a hundred thousand dollars just to pay a bunch of trimmers to come up and, and clean up your weed so you can sell it, you know? Right. Right. So yeah, my friend, my friend, you know, offered us this 50, 50 spot and, and we moved out there and it was going great, you know? until until that day uh that the cop showed up it was going great we were gonna we were gonna i mean i've never really done the math and i don't want to but you know that was definitely going to be my most profitable year you yeah. know as an adult you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was looking to be well into six figures you know uh uh-huh. if you know if they didn't come that day but uh you know it is what it is i don't know you know it's something that happened i knew it was I knew in the back of my mind, it was like, you know, it's always a possibility kind of, but it just felt so normalized yeah. that I didn't, you know, think about it on a day-to-day basis for sure. It was just like, it, it totally shocked me out of the blue, really. So what happened with the lawyer and everything? Basically, they counted up all of our plants and we had a pretty good sized greenhouse so there's this method called light depth or just, or we just call it depths. Right. And uh-huh. what that is, is you put a black tarp over your plants and you trick them into thinking that the days are shorter than they really are. Uh huh. Right. So that way we could harvest in July and then we could plant them again the next day or two days later or something, plant it again and then harvest again in October. So you're essentially getting two harvests instead of one. Mm hmm. So we were harvesting our first depths and we had all of our replants ready to go in the greenhouse. So when you count each individual plant, it was kind of a lot, right? I mean, we were a little bit over a thousand plants. Yeah. If counting the ones in the ground, we had a bunch that were in big pots already that we weren't depping that we were just going to do full season. And then all the replants, we had more than we needed. I mean, you always want some extra you know, and then we were going to sell them to the neighbors who were doing the same thing, you know, that needed plants. Um, you know, it's kind of a little way to make a little extra money, like do a little greenhouse, you know, a little like a nursery and you're growing, you know, starts for your friends Yeah, and sell them for 20 bucks to pop or whatever. When you counted them all up, it's over a thousand. It was, just, it was like, I think a thousand eighty nine or something like that. They, they said, and for some reason, when they, read that aloud in the courtroom the da and the judge were just kind of like damn that's you know that's a lot you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and i think maybe in their mind they were picturing a thousand full-grown you know eight foot tall plants but most of them were like a foot tall in little pots you know right right but you know they didn't say that you know what i mean but um (laughs) yeah so yeah, they were just like, nah, we're charging them with this. This is too much. Basically, you know, my, my lawyer's like, come on, you know, yeah, like, yeah. what are we talking about here? You know? And they were just like, no, this is too much. And so they gave me three months and they ended up letting me out a little after two months. Uh huh. The jail was the one that released me could be 
like my release date wasn't until three months and the jail just let me out because they were overcrowded. Mm-hmm. And even when I checked into the jail, they were like pissed, not at me, but they were pissed at like <laughs> system for even sending more like, like this dude's for wheat, you know, like, yeah, what? right, right. And like, I thought it would be like, Oh, it's a Mendocino jail. It's going to be all like weed related, you know, whatever. But no, nah, it was, it was, uh, it was not. It was like a lot of tweakers from Ukiah and Willits and all these like, like just dirty, you know, towns. That, was it? Uh, was it gnarly? Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. My first week, I spent, I think, ten days in like the original like general population area. Mm-hmm. That was three to a ro- three to a cell, like metal bunk beds on the wall, you know, and it was pretty rough, man. It was. It was. You know, it sucked for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I got transferred over to the area where you like get a job, you know, so I like worked in the kitchen or whatever and which sucked. But that area that you lived in was better, you know, mm-hmm. like that, like you, there was more TVs kind of, you know, there was a, there was like a, a vending machine in that area. Right, that right, could, right. Like get a soda after work, you know, but <laughs> it sucked, bro. And I was definitely, I was definitely stoked when they were letting me out early because I I was taking uh this like life training class or whatever that like knocks a couple days off your thing, you know? Yeah. Right. And I tried to sign up for the next round of that. And he was like, no, you're getting released Tuesday. And I was like, what? (laughs) Hell yeah. That's a good ass way to hear. Yeah. I was like, sure. Uh, What year was that? I got convicted like Christmas, 2014. And since my second child was just born, the judge let me put off going in until May of 2015. Mm-hmm. And when you got out, did you stay stick around Humboldt? Did you leave? When did you move back to the so, north? So I got another job like back in the same neighborhood that I was living, mm-hmm. you know, back in Humboldt near the massage school, like basically next door to the massage school. And I was just going to stay in it. I wasn't, I wasn't going to miss a beat really. I had one worker. I had this really good worker at the time, uh, this friend of mine that worked for me, this younger kid, but he was, he was a, a really good worker, really dependable, knew a lot about like engine, like small engine repair and stuff like that, which is really handy to have around. I took him with me. We, you know, we went to this new spot and then I had to go in to jail. Like, you know what I mean? The outdoor season really starts like, February, March, you start like prepping your holes and getting like your, your seeds going or your or starts going or whatever. So I did a bunch of work on this new spot, February, March, April, and then I had to go to jail on, in May. By that time, we were almost planted and pretty set up, you know, and so mm-hmm. my worker stayed, you know, stayed there and, and worked his ass off really while I was gone. And when I got back, basically my boss liked my worker so much that he basically fired me because he was he was uh-huh. already good with just my dude, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I was kind of like, well, you know, <laughs> what the, you know, like, right, right. what, you know? And I, and I go and tell my worker, like, yo, bro, this is what he's saying. Can you believe this shit? You know, and he's kind of like, well, I mean, I got to stick it out till the end of the year. And I was like, nah, man, let's bounce, you know? Like, yeah. But you know, he, he made, and I, I appreciate where he was at and he had a ton of work into that place. And, and, right, you know, right. so, so I, I didn't, I didn't begrudge him for staying with that guy really. But I mean, it was a little bit like, all right, man, you know, 
so after that, that was kind of a wash for that season because at that time, I mean, by the time I got out, it was July. Like nobody really, you know, needs help. Mm. People need help all year round, but for my position, which was basically like a garden manager, or or I mean, I think officially now they call it master grower, which sounds kind of funny, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the kind of like the head grower that can like kind of oversee the whole kind of operation, you know. If you if you're talking about like July August like those jobs are already taken you know what I mean somebody's already doing it otherwise there wouldn't be nothing to take care of you know what I mean right so yeah after that I don't know man I was kind of lost you know I didn't I didn't really know what to do I ended up coming back to Seattle you know close to the family uh, you know I had what two years of probation mm-hmm. to deal with and. And at that point, I, I think my wife was a little, <clears throat> I don't know if she suffered from PTSD or what, but like she was, she was way more nervous than, than I was really. But you know, no, that makes sense. Those, I get it. Yeah. No, for sure. I do too. Totally. You know, to have those cops come in, you know, especially like being fully pregnant and just, I mean, they were saying all kinds of stuff like you know, talk to us or we're going to take your kids type of, you know, CPS, we're going to call CPS type stuff, you know, which they never were going to, but just to, just to threaten her and try to, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, I was on probation. She didn't, it's hard, it's hard to find housing down there. Mm. Um, that's not on a property that has some sort of weed growing on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the things with the probation is that they're going to send somebody and, you know, it can't be, you know, tied to anything, whatever, whatever. So, yeah, we came back to Seattle. I missed it, though. You know, I just I love love the the nature. I love uh-huh. I love living in nature, you know. Yeah. And, and and I was just tired of city life. I was tired of having neighbors like right on top of me everywhere I look as a neighbor, you know. And so then eventually we we got a trailer and started heading back down towards Humboldt. Like we, we lived in, we lived in Ashland for a little while, but we just kept, kept going. But this time with kids, it's different because you gotta be around other kids, you know? And where I was, it's so remote. When I first got there, there was like a homeschool and a bunch of families, but nowadays it's not like that. It's changed to be more like industrial or like commercial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like one big landowner and then like 20, like basically mostly dudes like just workers you know so it it doesn't have a family vibe anymore at all you know Mm. there's no like big homeschool group anymore um at least where i was at and so we moved to arcata area which is about two hours north in northern humboldt and you know that's a lot more families and, and just a bigger town and stuff like that yeah but it's different. It's totally different because it's a different climate, even though it's pretty close. It's like a marine layer climate around Arcata. Mm-hmm. So it's all indoor growing historically, not anymore as much, but, but historically it was just like, you know, you grow outdoor in Southern Humboldt, you grow indoor in Northern Humboldt. That's just the way it was, you know? So it was a different vibe. I ended up getting a job at like a cannabis distribution, like warehouse where I was like running the, the shipping department which is ironic because I like, you know, two years earlier got busted for like, you know, <laughs> yeah intent to distribute. And now my job is to, you know, <laughs> ship it all over and, you know, whatever. Right. 
Yeah, right. Your parole officer's like, great. So you're showing up to work on time, and this yeah. is you're not yeah. living where it's growing. So so yeah. you're doing great. But it's, there's no money in that. You know, the, mm. we're talking about that's just a, basically a warehouse job. You know, right, right. Like the money has been either taxed out of it or just like I don't know. There's so many middlemen now that it's a whole other game now because of the the legal part of it. Dude, I worked at this strip club out here in LA for a while mm-hmm. and uh where I was like I would I was like a host um like an MC for the night and then I would also DJ for some day shifts and stuff and uh-huh. uh the kids that spent the most money I call them kids they weren't kids the people that spent the most money like really made it rain like way more than rappers or athletes or anyone like that were the dudes that had yeah. grow operations in yeah. the years right up until it was fully legal so like yeah. in those medical like when it was just medical dude those yeah. guys would come in and spend so much cash yeah because it's all cash right you know like right. it's it, it feels like funny money sort of like at a, at a point you know and uh and then i would also say that some of that I mean, I'm sure, you know, there were some some dummies that were just blowing money. But some of that, too, is is schmoozing potential clients. Definitely. You know, and that stuff goes down like my my Wheeler dealer friends that I'm talking about, like they'll fly to Vegas, like fly potential buyers to Vegas and schmooze them. And, you know, if they're into that, they're going there. If they're into this, they're doing that, you know. Right. And and that stuff happens in the business world all the time too, right? Did you see people with major money out there where people getting like Yeah. You, you saw Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all relative, right? But like uh-huh. I mean, I use the term hood rich, you know, yeah. which makes sense to me where it's like you feel like you're rich, you yeah. know? Yeah. But you're not really rich rich, but like there's definitely some dudes out there that have like a million dollars buried in their backyard, you know? Yeah, right. Which is pretty sweet, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but those those guys were few and far between. Like a uh-huh. lot of it, a lot of farms out there was mom and pops. Most people weren't greedy. They were just trying to do enough. You know, they just want to live out there, you know, uh-huh. and, and have what they needed. But like, you know, I mean, I know a woman who lived out there for like 40 years and 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 passed away as like an older woman. She never had a refrigerator the whole time, bro. Yeah, she would get an ice block from the from the little general store halfway to town, and she just lived like that, bro. She didn't have yeah. a toilet for like thirty years, and that's pretty crazy. But she was just like she was content, you know. And she yeah. was happy, and I feel like everyone did good. Everyone had you know decent trucks, decent quads, decent you know side by sides stuff like that, and could travel. You know, the winter time you're pretty much off, so you could you know people were going to Bali and going to Thailand and going right. to all kinds of you know fun exotic places. You know, do you miss but, do you miss that lifestyle? Yeah, I do miss it for sure. Um, it was it was a special time, you know, because it's not like I can move back there right now and it would be the same. It won't. Right. You know? It's gone forever. It's gone, you know. Yeah. Um, so I do miss that time for sure. It was it was a fun time, you know. I mean, that poker game I was talking about was yeah. a wild poker game. Tell me about it, man. I, mean, I want to I want to hear a little oh, bit about that. Oh man, I mean, it, it started off as a forty dollar buy in, you know, cash game, and mm-hmm. it it grew to a $200 cash, uh, a buy-in with like unlimited rebuys. I mean, people would lose over a thousand bucks pretty routinely. Sure. And I mean, just the amount of weed that was smoked at that table (laughs) 
was crazy, you know? I mean, yeah. you're talking about people who, I mean, have been smoking weed for 20 years and who had unlimited amounts of it yeah, and who wanted to bring their best stuff to the game to impress their fellow home, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so if they catch, like, any moment of weakness where they feel like you're getting too high, they're rolling another one, like, as fast as they can. <laughs> I mean, it was it was insane, bro. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And just, and just, I felt really blessed to be there because it's like, you know, just the the amount of, of history that those people shared and the, and the amount of, like, knowledge that I was able to, like, absorb from, from just, like, being a part of that game was, was really special. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I, I was a pretty good poker player. So I was one of the ones that was, I was making, <laughs> I was making a good amount of money on that game. There was oh, only like yeah. two or three of us that like really played poker for real. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and in the long run, you know, we had nights where we lose, but in the long run, man, we crushed that game. <laughs> How much money and, do you think you made over <clears throat> the years? Oh, over the years? Golly, we played for almost 10 years. And oh, I couldn't even guess, dude. I know my biggest <laughs> night ever was a, like thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. But I won like over a thousand bucks. Like oh, I don't know, man. A bunch of times. You yeah, know? hell yeah. Uh, you know, not all the time. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm like Daniel Magranu over here, but I definitely right, right. did well at that game. And before, because before I started working with that older couple. I didn't have a regular job. I didn't have a full-time job. So I was working at the massage school that I was previously a student. Yeah. And there was a time when I was working there that I was making way more at the weekly poker game than I was working like 40 <laughs> hours a week, you Hell know? Yeah. Yeah. It was oh, fun, man. I love sure. hearing that, man. That's I never, I never missed great. a game. They're always like, man, you're always here. Like, Oh yeah. You better believe I'm always here. All right, I we could strike this from the record uh, if you don't want it involved. Muriel wants to know what you think of the Dookie Brothers. The Dookie Brothers? Yeah. Who's the Dookie Brothers? Oh, that's that's the answer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> were they were in that documentary? Yeah. Oh. Dang. Which ones were they? I don't even know. I. I didn't see it because the way the way it works is Muriel does all the research for the crimes. I have no idea what oh, she's going to say. Oh, and I then see, she tells me about it. She just was like, yeah, because hey. I told her you didn't like the documentary because you weren't really on board with some of the people involved. And she goes, I bet you it's the Dookie brothers. Yeah, no, it was actually that Greg and Marion couple. I don't know. I just knew them and they were trying to be like kings of the legal weed game. And I just I just never really liked that vibe, you know? Uh-huh. You see that a lot where it's like people like you're trying to be like the president of weed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah. about, bro? Like this yeah. plant is way bigger than you and your little farm over here in your little area, you know? It's like right. but you know, some people that was like, you know, they wanted to build their brand, you know, which mm -hmm. you can't blame people. Like, I get it, that's business, but I tended to vibe more with just kind of like the more like underground kind of just do their own thing kind of growers than the like Ones that are out there like, you know, yeah, schmoozing and meeting mm. the local politicians and, and trying to be involved in, in you know, you know the, their county's regulations and what right. they're going to do with it or whatever. And Yeah, we were just more like, let's just focus on your garden and, and the rest will take care of itself, you know? Is there anything that you want our listeners to know about 
the people of Humboldt that really lived there and and lived that life? I mean, for the most part, it was wonderful people. Like yeah. salt of the earth, like, you know, for the most part, even the people that were a little wild, you uh-huh. know, you know, you knew that in the back of their head, they had your back, you know, uh-huh. like I seen an old dude out there, like trying to fight a wildfire in flip flops, you know, <laughs> yeah, with a backpack yeah. sprayer, like putting it out. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it wasn't on his property. It was just like, oh, he heard there's a fire. He came running with the, with his flip flops on, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that, that like you're not really gonna find everywhere. I don't feel, you know, yeah. that was the first time I had ever really experienced that, you know, coming from the city. You know, I mean, right. you know, you have your neighbors and people look out for you a little bit, but it was a real like us against them. And when I say them, I mean everything, everybody else. You know, if you're <laughs> in our tribe, yeah, we got your back. You know, yeah. after that happened uh, with the cops, you know, one of my good friends hands me five thousand dollars. Yeah. Just like, you don't got to pay me back. Just here. You know, I know you're hurting right now. I know they fuck, you know, they took all your stuff, whatever. Yeah. Here's five grand, you know? And he wasn't the only one. I mean, we probably got, I don't know, over 10 grand, you know, probably close to 15,000. And, and some of those people, I didn't even know that well, you know? Right. But they had heard what had happened and they knew of me and they knew of my wife or they knew, you know, yeah right and the dude whose property it was that was very thankful that i didn't you know say his name obviously you know took care of me big time too you know like nothing but love for him like he appreciated me like doing what i needed to do and 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 he and he you know he kicked me down big time you know yeah and that really like helped us kind of get 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 moving forward you know because it was devastating for sure i mean just all my cash all my all my weed everything was gone you know yeah well i knew if you were involved it was good people you know like i said even the ones that were wild and 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 could could really stand to probably stop drinking you know (laughs) yeah you know they 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 had your back and and i appreciate that and and there was a there was a bond and a real tight community up there that i do i do miss it was the glory days for me for sure and you guys met down in humboldt right yeah 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 hell yeah yeah that first farm i was working at she came from spain to to trim like it's a it's a big industry in the fall you know Mm -hmm. we would have 20 30 people come and stay there for for like a week or two just Sitting in a chair, just clipping, clipping leaves, you know, all day long. Man, I wish I had done that, man. That was, <laughs> yeah, damn. There was money right. in it too back then. Yeah. Like we we had trimmers that would make ten grand in like a month, you know. Yeah, right. Just sitting in a chair all day, just clipping weed, you know. And so yeah, that's how I met my wife. She came out. She was trying to leave. She was gonna go travel. There was a big snowstorm. She got stuck, and the rest is history, you know. Uh, I love that, man. That that warms my heart. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much, yeah. man. I really appreciate it. Hey, for sure, it, man. Thank you so much for listening to Miro's Murders all year long. This is the final one of 2023. And, uh, Boy, right, it's I mean, 2022. It. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Time, you know, I'm just vibing, man. You I know. know. <laughs> I wish everybody could see 
what Why? you look like right now. What do you mean? Well, you just have the wildest hair on the planet. You've got this stretched out sweatshirt on. These are, like these, are, these are my <laughs> very, very worn house clothes. You're just out here looking like a madman. All right, folks, wrapping up 2023, man. Here we go. It's a roller coaster, man. <laughs> All right. Anyway, okay. thanks for your support, guys. Uh, you know how to share us if you want to do that. Yeah. Share it with the people you love if you're sitting around and you're like, man, grandma, you should listen to this crazy <laughs> story. Yeah. You know, put us yeah. on like a Christmas Carol album. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Shove us down the throats of your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We love you. Take care of yourself. See you in 2024. 2024.